Well, I don't know how many of you that are watching have a favorite airline. For me, because I don't see a lot of difference from one airline to the next, uh, I like to fly United. But the reason I like to fly United might surprise you. There's something called United Channel 9. And it's a station that when the pilot of the plane turns it on, allows people in the plane to plug their headphones into the side of the seat and listen to the chatter between the pilot and the control tower and other pilots that are flying all over. And, and often what you'll hear is the, the pilot aware of incoming turbulence, aware of what's going on, uh, not down the road, but, but down the sky. And when they talk through that, it gives some sort of assurance, some sort of comfort that yes, there's turbulence coming, there's difficulty, difficulty coming, but, but my pilot is not unaware of it. In fact, there's a plan to get through it. Now, often uh, the Bible does the exact same thing for us. God's word will unpack the difficulties that we're going to face, but, but we get to take heart in the fact that God is not only aware of those troubles, that he has a plan to get us through it. And so in light of that, there's a passage in the Bible, a, a text that I memorized years ago for exactly that reason, that when the storms of life come, I can trust that God is my refuge and strength. And so Psalm 46 is that passage. You can turn there with me. Um, I'm going to quote it like I often do in my personal time, uh, not to show off, but just because it's something that I've committed to my heart, knowing that God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God, as we look into this passage today, would you just let it make sense to us, not just mentally, but, but in our souls, Lord, in our hearts, would you let it make sense to us? Would you show us that we can trust you in the middle of these difficulties that life often throws at us? Would you show us that you're bigger than the storms in our lives? God, we trust you. God, we ask that you would speak through me into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point that I want to cover today is God holds us steady and moves us forward. So because our anchor text is Psalm 46, that's really what it begins with. It says, God is our refuge and strength. A refuge is a shield or a place of shelter. It's a strong tower. It's meant for the heat of battle. And when we, when we understand that God is our shelter, that we're not kept from difficulty. That's not what being a shelter means. It means that you're going to need a place in the midst of difficulty. 
that God is our refuge, but he's our strength. And strength is something that's internal. It's not external. That he doesn't just hold us steady. He gives us strength to take the next step. And that internal shows us that God's empowering, empowering spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, indwells us and gives us strength to take another step. And that doesn't mean that life will be easy. In fact, it's a promise that life will be difficult. There was a, a Christian band that was really popular in about 2010 to 2012, and they had a really popular song called uh, Beautiful Things. And it was something like, you make beautiful things, you make beautiful things uh, from the dust, you make beautiful things out of us. The, the band's name was Gunger, and it was a husband and wife, very, very talented. But in recent years, they've come out as um, not just non-Christians. They've decided that they're agnostic slash atheists. They're not really sure where they stand, but they just no longer believe what they used to believe. And if you were to watch the testimony of Lisa Gunger, the wife of the band, um, one thing that she talks about is that they just had a hard time getting pregnant, that they struggled with with conceiving and and she started to doubt like, gosh, God, I'm serving you. I'm leading worship all over the country. We're writing songs to glorify you and you're not helping us. So she began to believe that if God was not going to do the things that she was asking for, he must not be there at all. And if he is, he must not care about the things that she's going through. And I don't uh, mention that story to be demeaning to difficulty. In fact, I Um, Like many of you that are listening to this or watching this, uh, I've had a very difficult 2020. I I have nerve pain that runs through my head that that I've basically found out in this year uh, isn't going away. About six months ago, I stood around with my siblings, my, my father's hospital bed, as he breathed his last breath in this world and walked into the next. My wife and I have been through a miscarriage. I, I don't come to you as someone that, that struggles to know what struggle is or what pain is. But one thing that happens to us in the midst of the storm is that we begin to believe that because there's a storm surrounding us, that God must not care, God must not be there. And yet this text reminds us that God's going to be our our shelter, our refuge in the midst of it. See, when our theology gets off, we begin to treat God like some sort of cosmic butler. And if I'm not getting the things that I'm asking for, my butler must have taken the day off. He must not be listening or even worse, he must not exist. J.I. Packer said it this way. Misunderstanding what the Bible means when it says that God is love, in 1 John 4, they think that God intends a trouble-free life for all, irrespective of their moral or spiritual state. And hence, they conclude that anything painful and upsetting like illness or accident or injury or loss of job or the suffering of a loved one indicates that either God's wisdom or power or both have broken down or that God, after all, does not exist. But this idea of God's intention is a complete mistake. God's wisdom is not and never was pledged to keep a fallen world 
happy or to make ungodliness comfortable. Not even to Christians has he promised a trouble-free life, rather the reverse. See, God's purpose for us is to glorify him. It's not to bask in comfort and strength. It's to be brought to a place where we know that he is what can hold us steady and move us forward. Now, a pastor in Tulsa, um, not too long ago, and I'm from Oklahoma, so I, I'm, I just kind of hear these things and see these rumblings. A pastor in Tulsa not too long ago uh, was teaching through a series with his church about having crazy faith. And he said that crazy faith is believing that God's going to do something wild in your life. And uh, so, so part of his teaching was he created this, this Pinterest board of what his house would be someday. And he said that he's going to have crazy faith that not only will his house someday be as perfect as this Pinterest board and have all of these things, but that he's going to have crazy faith that he doesn't have to settle and that he doesn't have to pay for it. That his faith would be so wild that God would provide his dream house free of charge for him. See, to them, to that pastor and to his congregation, that made God Beautiful, that glorified God. And yet there are other stories like um, apologist uh, Nabil Qureshi who gets cancer in his early 30s and dies. But as he's, um, as he's walking out of this life, he says, but you know, God is still good. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of my death, in the midst of this hardship for my family, God is still good. And I ask you this question today. Which story glorifies God more? Which story makes God more beautiful? Is it the pastor who's going to get the dream house? Or is it the man who knows, no matter what comes his way, that God is good, that God can be trusted, that God is faithful? Brings me to point number two. Storms will come. But God is bigger than all of them. See, for some of us, for many in this country, this is your first Christmas season without someone uh, special to you. Maybe you've lost them due to COVID or something else. For so many, this is a different Christmas because you weren't able to provide financially for your family the way that you expected to because of loss of job or difficulty at work. The things that we're going through are storms in this life. And yet this scripture says, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This text is talking about tsunamis and earthquakes. These massive waves that will overtake everything, that will cause the mountains to be drowned, that they'll be thrown into the heart of the sea, the, the earth will shake. Have you ever been in a really hopeless place? Specifically, um, I've been in earthquakes before. That might sound weird coming from someone who lived in Oklahoma, but I've been through earthquakes. And in Oklahoma, if there's a tornado coming, people go outside and video it. and uh, No one's going in their shelters. No one's scared. But earthquakes was new to us. 
And I'll tell you, I'm, I haven't really been too scared of, of tornadoes, but when earthquakes showed up, I was mortified. And I think it was because the thing that I found so steady, the land, began to rumble. And all of a sudden, everything that I believed was, was going to keep me upright couldn't. See, this text is reminding us that there are troubles coming. And that there will be times in our life when nothing feels steady, when nothing feels safe, when nothing feels like it can withstand the troubles of this life. And yet this text tells us that God is our refuge and our strength. He's what holds us steady. He's what keeps us moving forward. It goes on, though. uh, It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That God's in the midst of his people and we will not be moved. And then it transitions into political unrest in verse 6 here. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. He talks about war breaking out all over and yet he's going to, with his voice, cause everything to melt away that he, with his words, with his power, with his might, will break the bow, will shatter the spear, will burn the chariots with fire. It's saying that God will be steady. God, with a word, can stop it all. And one day he will. He's mighty in our mess. He's strong in our suffering. There's a verse in Philippians chapter four that a lot of people like to quote. And I'm not here to down the way that we quote it. Uh, It's a very popular verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Can you finish that line? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We know that text. And yet just before that, the the context of it is that Paul is going through something incredibly difficult. And he says, I've found the secret to contentment in the midst of being hungry or full, in the midst of all of my trials, in the midst of being warm or cold, in the midst of having nothing or having plenty, I found the secret to contentment and it's not tied to having plenty and it's not tied to being full and it's not tied to being warm. There's a secret to contentment that is separate from the pluses and the negatives. And if you want to know what that secret is, you have to rewind a chapter to Philippians 3. And this is what he says. He says, uh, everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost and compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. See, what Paul is saying is that in the midst of everything that goes on, God is better. He's better than the plus and the minus. He's better than the plenty or the hunger. He's better than the warm or the cold. He's better than all of it. He's bigger than all of it. And I wish that as I sit here before you, wondering whatever's going on on the other side of the screen, I, I wish that I could get you to believe that. Sometimes I wish that my heart believed it more. But the truth about us as people is that we cannot force our own belief. We can't just convince ourselves of something. In the same way that if I held 
$20 out and said to the first person who believes that there are pink and purple elephants flying around in this room right now, you can come collect $20. You couldn't do it. Because the truth is you don't believe it. And so what's the answer? Well, I think Psalm 46 is teaching us that we need a new perspective. Storms are coming, that God will hold us steady. He will help us move forward. But then it, it's transitioned into the fact that God is bigger than we think he is. That with his words, everything will melt away. With his power, everything will be demolished. Then he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See, what this text is teaching us is that, that we need to understand that God can handle everything that comes our way. The same thing happens in the book of Job. Just as a little sidetrack, this is a story in Job of a man who loses his family. He loses his possessions. He loses his uh, income. He loses his health. And at one point, he's questioning God. Now, he's, he's remained faithful. That's the beauty of the story. He's remained faithful, but he's questioning God. And God calls out to him. And in, in, in Job 36, God reminds him that he's in control of every strike of lightning on the earth. He says that every strike of lightning hits its mark. He is so sovereign, so powerful. So in control. And then in, in two chapters later, in Job 38, he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of this earth? Do you know where I store the hail and the snow? Do you know where I keep those storehouses? He's saying, you don't even know what you don't know. You don't know how big I am. And so in the idea of understanding that we can't force our own belief. Maybe we just need to change our perspective. Maybe Psalm 46 and Job 36 and 38, maybe they're teaching us something. That if we believed that God is big enough, strong enough, good enough, dependable enough, if we believed it, if our perspective was different, maybe we'd interact with him differently. So as we close, as I kind of just wrap this up, I want to do it with, um, with an argument that a lot of atheists actually make about God. They say that if God was, was all-knowing, and if he was all-powerful, then he would interact with us differently. That if he was all-knowing, he would know how to address the problems that we have. And if he was all-powerful, he could do it. And if he loved us, he'd do something about it. So the Bible does teach us uh, that God is all-knowing. The truth is that God knows every single hair on every single person's head, or, or lack thereof, and, and don't make fun of me. He knows every single letter on, in every single word, on every single page, in every single book that's ever been written throughout all of time in any language. Like God knows everything. We can even see in Psalm 33 that, that God breathes out the stars. And Psalm 147 says that he knows them by name. God knows so much more. God is so much bigger 
than we think. He's so much stronger than we think. Here's an example. Here's an illustration for it. How much do you think one inch of, of rain on one square mile weighs? See, because God's challenging Job, do you know how much strength I have, how much knowledge I have that you have no idea of? How much do you think an inch of water on a square mile weighs? It weighs 1,650 pounds. God isn't just all-knowing. God is strong. God is powerful. God is bigger than you think he is. He doesn't just breathe out stars and knows them by name. Maybe we don't realize what a big feat that is. I remember going out to my wife's uh, land when we were just starting to date Years and years ago, and, and they lived out in the country in the middle of Oklahoma, far away from the city lights. And I remember looking up in the sky and feeling like I saw a billion stars up there. And she hates the story that I tell uh, because I'm sort of uh, changing her voice with it. But, but I remember looking up and going, I've never seen stars like this. And she said, you ain't from the country, are you? Or something like that. Actually, she doesn't talk like that at all. But, but the fact was, when I got away from the lights and saw the stars, I was like, how many, how many stars are there that I've been missing? Did you know in our galaxy alone, there are 300 billion stars with a B? That's a bigger number than we realize it is. It says that God breathed those out and knows them by name. How, how big of a number is 300 billion in our galaxy alone? Well, it's hard to actually make sense of, so I'll change the number to 100 billion just for the sake of this example. How big is the number 100 billion? Well, uh, McDonald's used to have this slogan, over 100 million so sold or served, and it would say that on the McDonald's sign. And then they had to change it to over 1 billion served, and then they had to change it to over 100 billion served. And what they're saying is, We've served a lot of people. So if you took a McDonald's cheeseburger, two inches tall by four inches in diameter, and you got 100 billion of them, how far do you think it would stretch if you were sitting in New York City and you decided to stretch a line of burgers across the United States and aim toward California? How far do you think 100 billion burgers would go? Would it go to Chicago? Would it make it to California? Maybe San Francisco. 100 billion burgers would wrap all the way around the globe. And you'd actually have enough burgers left, these little McDonald's cheeseburgers, to wrap around it another 215 times. And then you'd get tired of circumnavigating the globe and you decide to stack the burgers two inches tall. How high do you think they'd go? Would they go as high as the Empire State Building? Would they go as high as Mount Everest? After going around the globe 216 times, you would still have enough McDonald's cheeseburgers to stretch from ground level to the moon and back. That's 100 billion. God, with his voice, created 300 billion stars in this galaxy alone, which is a sliver of how many stars are in the universe. And he knows them all by name. God knows everything. God is more powerful than you know. He is bigger than we think he is. 
So the atheist says, well, if he was all-knowing, he, he is. Well, if he was all-powerful, he is. Well, if he was big enough, he is. Then he would show us that he loves us. He has. See, though God is huge, we can know him. We can know this strong tower. We can know this fortress. We can know the one that holds us steady and moves us forward. We can know the one that's bigger than the storms. We can know the one that that with his voice could melt the earth away, that he can stop wars on a dime. We can know him because the book of Hebrews says that though he is great, we do not have a God who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses because he came down in the form of one of us. He became Man, that God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, today you might be going through something incredibly difficult. Again, maybe it's your first holiday season without someone you love. Maybe it's been more difficult for other reasons. Maybe you're paralyzed by fear of what's going on in our politics or our economy or with the health of people around you. We have a strong tower we can cling to and we can know him because of what God has done for us through Jesus. That if you want to know God, you can look at Jesus. What a beautiful truth. So as you struggle through this season, know that you can trust him. Know that you can cling to him. Know that he can hold you up. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. God, we love you. God, we're grateful that your word can speak such truth to us. Lord, I don't know what situation the person on the other side of this video is going through. I don't know the trials of everyone, but God, you do. Lord, Your word teaches us that you care. God, that we can look at how big and strong you are and know that we can trust you, but we can also look at at your love for us as displayed through Jesus. Coming down as one of us, living a perfect and sinless life, dying on the cross for us so that we might place our, our faith and hope and trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. And then rising from the dead, show us your victory and your power and your might. God, I'm grateful that we can know a God like you. So God, as we close this service, would you help us? Would you give us faith to believe, Lord, that you can withstand the storms, that we can depend on you, that we can trust you, and that you will hold us steady? And you will move us forward by your strength, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.